kind of an emotional moment for me too. It's been maybe two and a half years, I think, since I've been able to be here and have the chance to share with you. Um, And I know we've all been on lots of big journeys. And our journey has has been quiet. Some of you have really been praying for us over the last few years. And we really appreciate that, uh, you know, your prayer support and your love that you've given to us. Many of you have invested into our lives at such deep levels over the years. Some of you have invested prayerfully. Some of you have helped us financially. Some of you, we've been through quite a journey. Um, I'd just like to give you a real quick update on my family before we launch into this. I'll put a photo up on the screen. And uh, here we are. And you'll see Chloe all the way over on the right, the eldest one. She's 20 now. And um, Chloe is uh, doing amazing things. She's in ministry with, with me at Clontarf. But she's traveling. She's chaperoning my son, Ethan, at the moment over in the USA. Um, Ethan is 15. And Ethan is in Hollywood. Most of the time now, he's spending most of his time in LA and um, really living the dream, as you do. And great things happening in his life. And um, God's really going to do some amazing things with him. Uh, then we've got Erin, and she's 19. She's just turned 19, and she, isn't she gorgeous? And Erin is um, in ministry as well, and God has really blessed us with great, great children who are just serving the Lord and involved, in, especially in the worship ministry and the music and, and that kind of thing. And then Amy, she's 12, and she's just cute. No, she's, Amy is so, um, she's not so much in the musical side of things, even though she does enjoy that, but she's our sports person. She's kind of gone the other direction, said she's the gymnast and running, you know, she just loves all the different sports, so that's her thing. And then there's Jenny, and she's my beautiful wife, and uh, we've been married almost 23 years, and about four and a half years ago, most of you, if you know me, would know that um, four, four and a half years ago, she was diagnosed with a terminal illness, brainstem cancer. It's a very horrible place to have a cancer. And, um, but uh, God has healed that. It's been, she's in the less than 1% who survived this. And we're four and a half years into the journey. The tumor has gone from four and a half centimeters down to less than one centimeter. And in doing that, there's the latest MRI, she has one every three months, says that there's no evidence of any Um, activity, no evidence of any ongoing or progressive disease. So it's just a little tumor there, and we're praying that God will just finish that off, finish off the job, and um, that that will disappear too. But God has been amazing. It is amazing. And so thank you so much for all your love and prayers for us. Uh, Something that we are going to do at Peninsula Church is bring, uh, I noticed Isabel here today. Isn't Isabel a bundle of joy and energy? And uh, so great. I've known Isabel since she was this big and uh, has grown up as part of Axis Church or Riverside Church and then right through. Uh, So it's so great to see young, young leaders and young people, you know, involved in the ministry the way Isabel is. She said, you know, bring a friend to the Christmas concert. So uh, we got invited to come over to your Christmas um, celebration on the 8th. And so I'm going to bring a church. I'm going to bring the whole church over. So don't worry, it's only about 50 of us, so it's going to be okay. But we will be here, and we're going to be part of that event with you, which will be fun. So, all right. So throughout my marriage, over the past 23, almost 23 years in December... Um, at different times, we've traveled. Every few years in that time, we would, we would get in the car, we'd wrap, get the kids all in the car, packed up, and we would go on a drive two hours north to Gympie and two hours inland to Gainda. Anyone know Gainda? 
Yeah, who's been to Gainda? Yes, we've got some people from there. And the reason we go there is because Jenny, um, a lot of her family live out in Gainda, and it's a great little country town. And um, a lot of her family live there, uncles and aunties and cousins. It's always fun. There's pig farmers and cattle farmers, and they're all involved in farming out there. So it's a lot of fun as a, for us city people to go out there and spend a few days. And so we would do that. I wish we would have done it more because it was always fun. But every few years, we'd pack up and we'd go and get in the car and, and have a really good time together. And every time we'd go off to Gainda, my wife would say to me on the way or on the way back, she'd say, Troy, can we just stop off at Bam Bam Springs? I just want to see Bam Bam Springs. And, and I'm like, well, no, next, maybe next time, baby, next time, okay? Because I'm on a mission. You know what it's like when guys get on a mission. We're like, we ought to get the four-hour drive. We're going to get to Gainda, get there, and start our holiday up there. But she must have had these kind of memories of, you know, great memories of what Bam Bam Springs was as she was growing up, probably visiting there on the way on their trips back and forth to Gainda as a family. And so she would always be asking this, but we never stopped. We'd never stop there. I'd always say, next time. We'll do it next time. You know, I want to just get there. But every time this would happen, I'd become kind of more and more curious. What is this Ban Ban Springs all about? And I started to kind of wonder and just be wondering what, what this idea was growing in my mind of what Ban Ban Springs would be. So anyway, being the submissive husband that I am, <laughs> this one time I decided to stop. Because it had been 15 years of her saying, can we stop at Bam Bam Springs? And Jenny had been asking this, and I thought, I just got to stop. And the only way to stop it is actually go and see these springs. And besides that, it had a pretty big build-up. And so the idea of my expectations were pretty high, and I'm thinking, this has got to be something really special. Hey, I mean, it's going to be amazing, right? And so we, we had the kids all excited. I'm thinking, we'll get in my swimmers, and the kids can get in their swimmers, and we'll go and re refreshed in the Bam Bam Spring. It'll be great because it'll be pure water and bubbling away, nice and cool on a nice hot day and refreshing. And so we had the kids all excited, and I'm thinking that we're going to really make some memories as a family right, here, right now. And so we finally got there, and we parked, and, and uh, after 15 years of talking about it, here we were at Bam Bam Springs. The kids are ready to have a swim, and it was just exciting. We're going to make these memories to celebrate the rest of our lives together, right? So we arrived, and we parked, and got out, and we find these incredible springs, and we've just, up until that point, just been an image in my mind. I thought, this is going to be good. I'm going to get some amazing sermon illustrations out of this. <laughs> springs of living water. Out of your heart spring forth the issues of life. You know, so I'm getting kind of excited. about. Anyone like to see a photo of Bam Bam Springs at this point? Yes. Who's excited with me? Anybody? Yes. yes, because the anticipation is building at this point. So are you ready to see Bam Bam Springs, everyone? Yes. Okay, let's have a look. Needless to say, we didn't go swimming. There was no swimming that day. And after our experience of Bam Bam Springs, Gainda was like the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about this, and all this to share this, I've been thinking about water, the concept of water. Say that with me, water. Say living water. 
I've been thinking a lot about this. I've been starting to research a lot about water, and I know it's a kind of a weird topic that you'd get a guest speaker to come in, and they get up and preach about water. All right, this is my topic for the day. And uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about water these last few weeks. And, and so I want to kind of take it to another story about water. I recently spent a week up on the beach in uh, the Sunshine Coast, in Bedina, and enjoying this massive body of water called the Pacific Ocean. Just a little bit different to Bam Bam Springs, by the way. So just watching the waves, enjoying the sound of the waves, and listening to the water, and swimming in the waves, and it's just so much water. And did you know that water is the most common substance on the planet? There's an estimated 326 million trillion gallons of water on the earth. If the entire water of the world was to be put into a four-liter jug, one tablespoon of that water would be the pure water that is of any use to us to drink and be clean, cleaned with. Only one tablespoon. Over 90% of that tablespoon of that water is in, located in Antarctica. And most of that's frozen in the glaciers. Now, here's an interesting fact about water. About 70% of our brain is made up of water. Now, that'll explain some things, right? <laughs> about 66% of our bodies are made up of water. There's something about water. There's a connection with God's creation and water and us and water. So here I am sitting on the beach on my holiday, and I had water on my mind, literally 70% of my mind, right? I'm waterlogged. Anyone else waterlogged? And just thinking about how the Bible refers to water so much as I was watching the water, enjoying the water. And I'm thinking about all the stories and all the references. There's so much about water in the Bible that it will blow your mind away. I'm sure that we could spend the next half an hour just talking about stories and references to water and uh, some of the spiritual principles that apply to our lives as we think about water. What about in Exodus? Remember the deliverance of Moses? When he was an infant, Pharaoh's daughter found him as a baby in the reeds in the Nile River. And taking him home and raised him up, they named him Moses because that means I was drawn out of water. And then in Exodus, God used water again when he parted the Red Sea to deliver the Israelites from being taken into slavery from the army of Pharaoh. And what about in Exodus 17, where they find that the Israelites were in the desert for a time and they became thirsty and they needed water. They needed a lot of water. There was a million of them to feed and to, to water their, and to drink and their livestock as well. In Genesis 7, we read about how Noah and his family were delivered from the floods while they were in the ark. And one of my favorite references in, is when in John uh, chapter 2, and Jesus' very first miracle, where, where he attended and made a, a wedding feast, and all the attendees very happy that day, where he turned water into wine. You know, there were heaps and heaps and heaps of references. In fact, there in the Bible is 722 times water is talked about. 722 times water is referenced in the Scriptures. Water is mentioned more than prayer. 
Water is mentioned more than faith. I think there's only around 500 references to faith or 500 references to prayer. So here I am today that we could have a look at this topic of water. Specifically, let's talk about living water. Living water. The first time water is mentioned in the scriptures is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It's right at the beginning of the Bible. And it says this, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Before there was anything, before there was light, before there was sun, before there was moon, before there was earth and plants and living creatures and anything else, there was water. There's something about water. Having created the earth out of water and the sky in the midst of the waters and calling forth living creatures out of water, God continues today to bathe his creation in water. So this one morning, while I was on my holiday on the beach, I woke up really early. It was still dark. And I thought, I'm going to go sit on the beach and watch the sunrise and watch the water. I'm going to enjoy that. So I went down there. It was just me sitting there in the sand. You can bring up the photo up there. It was just this beautiful sunrise happening. That's a a horrible photo. I need Cesar to come and take a proper photo. So, but it was just me and it was God sitting there on the sand, worshipping. I had the beach to myself. I had the sand. I listened to the waves. I had the Spirit of God hovering over the surface of the waters. I was there with God. I was praying, I was worshipping, I was praising, I was connected. I was connected, I was listening, I was filled, I was touched. I just a little video, just have a little look at that and just try and feel what I was sensing on that day. believe what happened next two whales swam across in front of the sunrise and they were playing in the water and splashing and blowing water up and having a great time together putting on a show just for me there was no one else I got this where was everyone else they're in bed missed it but God gave me this gift I got to see this in a beautiful this actually it was just me and it was God and it was the whales Beautiful. This lump of clay named Troy Beer, 66% water, got to sit there directly connected to his creator in that moment as the spirit hovered over the waters, just like he did in his creation. And that was the first time that water was mentioned in the Bible. And if we go all the way through to Revelations... The last time that water is mentioned in the Bible is in Revelation 22, 17. It says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let anyone who hears this say, Come. 
Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. So the rest of our time together today, I thought, let's dig a little bit deeper in what does it mean to come and drink freely of this water of life, this living water that Jesus spoke about. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, water flows through the pages of Scripture in so many places. We talk about God's creation and His blessing and His saving work. It's so so symbolic of our spiritual lives. So let's see what God wants to say to us about water today because I want to encounter him. I want you to have a drink of the living water today. Amen? That's what this is about. Can I pray for you? God, we just want to set apart the rest of this time for you. You are the living water and we ask you to come and let us have an encounter with you, Lord. I pray that as we learn today that we will be washed clean, that we will be purified from the living water, that we will be strengthened and healed by the water of your word, that we would be having our thirst quenched spiritually, that we'll be blessed, empowered, purified by the living water of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I've got two points I want to make about this today. Most pastors or guest speakers will come and they'll say, okay, three points today, bang, bang, bang. I've got two. I did have five points. And then my computer crashed. And when I reopened it, I only had two. So you're going to get the shortened version. Two points. But actually, as I went through, I said, well, that was God. And the other thing is the last three pages of my message, when I got up here this morning, they're missing as well. So (laughs) you're going to miss the ending as well. So I said when I got in the first service and I got to the last bit and I'm like, there's three pages to go, God, but I don't have them. Where are they? I said, okay, God, you've got to take over. <laughs> but two points today about living water. Number one, living water is symbolic of life in the Holy Spirit. Living water is symbolic of life in the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard that saying that The natural explains the supernatural, or the natural explains the spiritual. I mean, so often we hear about the spiritual things in life will end up manifesting in the natural in life, and that's true too. But this point I'm making is that so many times in Scripture we read about natural things that God created that have spiritual principles or spiritual implications or spiritual meanings behind them. And that's what I want to make this point today, that living water is like that. Water is natural, but it has a spiritual implication, and that's life in the Holy Spirit. When we talk about something natural, Genesis 1.20, God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life. That's natural. But the passage shows that life comes out of water. That's a principle. That's natural, but it's a principle. It's like a baby is is conceived and, and grows in a sack of water. And then it is born and it comes out of water. Life comes out of water. It's symbolic here and has spiritual principle behind it. There's a spiritual connection on so many levels in this. One of my favorite connections to God that God showed me when I was in Bible college back in 1995, in my early 20s. 
he gave me a vision for what the local church could be and what it could look like. And he showed me this passage in Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 12. And um, there's so much happening in that passage. It's such a wonderful passage that the angel was taking Ezekiel through this vision of, of the temple. And out of the temple flowed, trickled uh, streams of water from every angle of the temple. And, and as he led uh, Ezekiel deeper into that river, it was just ankle deep at first and then knee deep and then waist deep. And eventually it was so strong. This river that flowed from the temple was so powerful that it was as though it took control of him. He couldn't stand in it. It was like God was so powerful in his life if you were to liken this river to the Holy Spirit or the presence of God in his life. And he gets to this place where God is in total control and then the, and the angel says to him, he says, do you see this? Do you see this? This is what it's meant to be like. Life in the Holy Spirit is meant to be like this. And then he takes him back to the banks of the river and he says, now I'm going to show you what that's like. And he, he shows him all the different aspects, the, tr the trees planted by the, the banks of the river where the roots go deep and anything planted by the river, or anything that the river touches has life. It says the swarms of fish, all different kinds of fish have, have, have life. It says anything that the water touches is thriving. It says all of the, the fresh water spills into the Dead Sea and it takes what was dead and brings it to life. And it says that, that the trees that would bear fruit, every month they would bear fruit consistently. There's this ongoing bearing of, of, of fruit. And so... This is a picture I remember being in history, church history class at college. And I remember somehow I got myself reading Ezekiel in a church history class. I don't know. But that, anyway, so I'm reading Ezekiel and God just spoke to me in that moment about this vision. And he says, you're not going to be a worship pastor anymore, which is what I thought I was doing. You're going to start churches. You're going to go and start a church like this. And so I came back to Brisbane and started to gather a team. I remember um, Lex Akers and a few others started to help us. And, and, we started, and we called the church Riverside Community Church because it was out of this vision of water. And then we were there for quite a few years and had a break and came back and renamed it Axis Church. And here we are today. It was birthed out of this vision for water, this living water. And I wanted to remind us of that today. That God has such a great vision for the church. We need to lift our vision up and remember all of these things. It's not about coming to a Sunday service so much. It's about all of the life that we can bring in changing the world that we live in. And so this particular verse in verse 9 really spoke to me. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish. Say flourish. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. And I speak that over this church in the name of Jesus. May we be a church that brings life wherever we go. And then all the way over to Revelation... Revelation 21.6, Jesus said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. 
And then back in John 4, that classic passage that we all know so well, where Jesus sat down by a well, he was tired, and he was asking a woman if he could have a drink. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How could you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that you ask for a drink, you would have, not, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Remember that. Say living water. There's something about living water I'm going to share. Jesus was speaking to her in a, in a language that she understood. When he said, I would have given you living water. Hold that thought there. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst indeed. The water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Remember, this is life in the Holy Spirit. But she would not have understood that at this time. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I want to ask you, church, how do you drink this water? How do you drink it? Jesus goes on to explain to her and teach her that we worship him in spirit and in truth. We become worshippers in Him. We drink deep as we worship Him. We dwell in His presence. We connect to Him in a relationship with Him. New life comes from being found in Him. Can you say that with me? In Him. In Him. We get found in His presence. We get found in His presence and we worship Him. Remember Jesus, when you were born again and Jesus came into your life, you were found in Him. You were washed in living water. And wasn't it refreshing, hey? Many Christians just live for Jesus. You know, we get into the, the mundane, the ritual of doing life. And we say, well, I'll go to church and I'll serve God and I'll help at the church sometimes. Or I'll, you know, I'll live for God. But what, I don't ever read Paul saying, go and live for God. I read in the, in the scriptures and epistles. I read in, in Ephesians especially where he says, in Christ, you are this. In Christ, you are that. It never says, for God. Don't serve in that way. It says, live in Christ. There's a difference between doing something for someone and doing something in someone. We live in Christ, in that living water, in that presence of who he is. And many Christians just live for Jesus. Does that make sense? And I want to encourage you today as you drink deep of this water that you need to make a commitment to say, I will live in Christ. All the promises to be accepted and, and uh, to, for your significance in life of who you are, all the promises that we have in our security is in Christ. You know, our security and significance and acceptance and our identity is found in Christ, not living for him. He didn't save you just to live for him. He saved you to live in him. He in you, I in him, in this relationship where I'm filled by his spirit every day, living in him, drinking living water, full of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus talked about it. In John 7, 37 to 39, he wanted to show us that we could all live in him, not just some, but all. He, he stood up at a festival and he said on the last day in the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd. He said, can you read this with me, everyone? Ready? Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. It's for all. The Bible says in verse 39, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given. So at this festival, when Jesus spoke these words, they may not have yet understood what he was actually meaning. But it was going to upset the religious festival because of the ritual of what they would have done in that moment. And in that moment, he stood up and spoke. And I'll tell you why. I was reading a blog of a pastor, Pastor Adam Bowers. It's a ministry life blog. And he wrote about this. And I found this so helpful to understand the historical background of what living water was really all about. So I grabbed a few bits of his blog to share with you. So I'm going to read that. Is that okay? That will help you understand what Jesus was meaning here when we look at the historical context. In this passage, Jesus was predicting the coming of the Holy Spirit. But the people who heard him didn't really understand what that would mean at this point. Some thought that he was a prophet. Others thought he was the Messiah. But whatever they thought, his words were about to bring a big change. You see, entering the temple for this festival, to come to the temple required this ritual of purification. This ritual of being purified in a special bath called the mikvah. And what made these baths special was the natural source of water that flowed into each one of these little small gatherings of of water, which was called living water. These little pools were called living water. It was the only source of naturally flowing water that would be directed to a place of collection for this particular ritual of purification before people could enter into the temple. They needed to be bathed in the mikvah, the living water, to become pure before entering the temple of God or the presence of God. And every day during the feast, the priests led a whole procession from the pool of living water to the temple, so that by the end of the festival, the temple was packed with worshippers who had all been purified in the living water before they got there. So it was in the midst of this ritual, in this festival, that Jesus came to teach the people. And his words that he promised here was something incredible. The extravagant process that people found necessary to meet God in the temple, the ritual bathing and ceremonies surrounding this living water would soon become obsolete. Imagine that you just waited in line and paid your dues to go and use the mikvah and make your way over to the temple and Jesus stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
You know, in our Western context, we might think and hear that and, and think, well, it's relating to the, the thirst aspect that we have for water. Assuming that Jesus is talking about quenching our thirst for our righteousness or our holiness or our spiritual filling that we long for. But the Jews who were here on this festival understood it very differently. His claim directly applied to that moment of that festival they were in on that day. No longer would this ritual of bathing in this pool of living water be required. No longer would this great effort be necessary to bring sources of living water into the mikvahs and, and make their way over to, the, to the, um, the, the festival. The cost was believing in him. There was only one thing that required for people at this point, and that was to become a believer in Jesus Christ. There was no other ritual. Jesus' offer was to open to anybody. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come and drink from me. Whoever believes in me, that's the only thing you need to do. Believe in Jesus. And that would make it open to all. That we could all have purity of heart. That we could all be washed in this living water. That we could all be filled with his very presence. The people may not have understood that. But what he accomplished in the Holy Spirit, they certainly understood that his intention was to make following God more inclusive. His intention was to bring everybody in. That, you know, this led them to question him. Was he a prophet or was he the Messiah? And he wasn't simply throwing around some, some vague spiritual terms like living water. He chose his words very specifically. He chose his words carefully and he communicated exactly what he wanted to communicate to those people on that day. And John wrote about that. John wrote that the living water was the Holy Spirit. He told us what this means because he figured probably we wouldn't work it out on our own. So perhaps knowing that we wouldn't understand the spiritual significance of this moment of Jesus' bold claim in that day and how it would upset that religious system, and open up access to everyone. John told us about that. And I hope that today our spiritual life could be refreshed because this includes you now. There's nothing else you need to do except believe in the name of Jesus and you have access to be filled with the living water. And I want us to all drink deep today. The Holy Spirit is available to all of us who believe. Can I say or hear an amen from you? Amen. The point I've tried to make here is that living water is all about the presence. It's all about the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's all about living in Christ, not living for Christ. It's about being in the presence of God. But this leads me to my second point. And it's something that we could elaborate more on because I have introduced the thought. And that's the idea of purification. Living water is symbolic of the purification of the heart, the purity of heart. Let's talk about having a pure heart for a moment. We've talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And now I'm going to talk about being pure, washed pure. When we clean ourselves, what do we clean ourselves in? Pure water, right? Mostly pure. If you're on town water, it's not really pure. 
you've got a few extra chemicals thrown in. If you're on tank water, it's a bit more pure. But we wash ourselves in water. We clean ourselves in water. And we don't clean ourselves in, you know, milk or soft drinks or other things. We clean ourselves with water. And I want to ask, did you realize that 780 million people right now in the world don't have access to pure water? And that dilemma has led 200 children every hour to die. 200 children every hour will die in this world because they don't have pure water. And by the year 2025, it's estimated that half of the world's population will live in countries that have a high water stress. Half of this world's population will not have pure water to bathe in or to drink. Now, water is a source of life. So this is very real for us. This is very real in the world. And we're going to die without it. We need pure water to survive. We need pure water to drink. We need pure water to be clean. And this is a great example, again, of the natural that has spiritual, symbolic implications. We need the pure living water of God to survive. We need the pure living water of the Spirit to be washed clean. We need the pure living water of the Spirit to be cleansed, to drink deep. Exodus told Moses, he instructed him to make a bronze basin and fill it with water. The priests would wash both their hands and they washed their feet before they would enter the tabernacle, God's presence, so that they die not. So that they die not. Purification was so vital to them. In Aaron and Leviticus, is told to take a bath in water before he offers sacrifices. A ceremonial washing with water would symbolize greater purity when God says in Ezekiel 36, 25, he said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all of your idols. And we fast forward right through to Hebrews 10.22. Believers in Jesus Christ can now approach God with confidence. This is you right now today. Believers in Jesus Christ can come to him with an assurance. It says in Hebrews 10, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and to have our bodies washed with Pure water. I have the worship team come, please. God wants to wash you. He wants to cleanse you today. He wants to purify your heart. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He wants you to drink deeply of the living water. We don't need another church service, church. We don't need another sermon. We don't need another worship song. We need God. We need the Spirit. We need the power of His Spirit on our life. Are you with me? I long for that. I want that. John 13 shows us that Jesus 
was washing the disciples' feet with water. But why was he only washing their feet? And you'd see the question that Simon Peter asked as well. Jesus answered in John 13.10 when he said, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash their feet. His whole body is already clean. And you are clean. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are already clean. The blood of Jesus has washed you. It has forgiven you. He has cleansed you. He has made you right and holy and justified you. You know, this is what God did for you. That's the gift. As a believer, you are clean. But I don't know about you, just like the disciples and following Jesus around and you know, they had sandals and they're walking in the dirt and the dust and they picked up some of the dirt of this world on their feet. And so while they may be clean because they're believers and followers of Jesus, their feet are dirty. They've picked up dirt of the world and they sat with Jesus and he cleaned the dirt of the world off their feet and made them clean again. It was in the natural, but there's a spiritual principle. And that is that as we walk through this world day by day, we often pick up dirt from the world. And that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to drink deep. There are so many promises in the scriptures for us, but 90% of those promises can only be unlocked when we live in the righteousness of God. There's kind of a proviso. We always claim the promises of God, but we refuse to live in the righteousness of God. Let's claim the promises of God, but from a holy heart. And I want to ask you today to really have a, a think about this and drink deep from God and ask Him, purify my heart, O Lord. Purify my heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Renew a right spirit in me. As we read your word, God, we know in John 15, 3, it says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken over you. Help us stand in the truth that we are clean because of the work you've done on the cross, Jesus. We are clean. We are purified. Lord, we need our feet washed. And I pray that today you would do that for us. Help us, Lord, as we confess our sins to you, as we repent of our sins, we turn the other way and turn back to you. Lord, we confess that we've failed at times. The dirt of this world has got stuck to us. We've fallen so far short of your glorious standards, God. But thank you through Jesus through his blood and thank you through the power of his spirit we can drink living water and that you have thrown our sins as far as the east is from the west and you have cleaned us and I pray that each of us will leave this place today feeling refreshed by the living water of God Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's all stand. Let's just all stand. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to worship Him. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the one 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit, sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. That person is like a tree that is planted by streams of water. And Lord, I pray that that stream will flow powerfully, that that river would flow powerfully in this church. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God.